Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. We've been talking a lot about virtue in recent episodes, but today I want to get really practical. How do I grow in virtue? Let's say there's an area of my life where I know I need to be better. I've been struggling with this weakness and I I just want to grow in virtue here. How do I grow in virtue? Whether it's I want to be more generous, I want to be more cheerful, I want to be more courageous. How do I grow in virtue? That's what we're going to take a look at today. We're going to see Three practical points that the Catholic tradition offers. Three beautiful practical points that help us to grow in virtue. But first, I want to take you into my office. I want to take you into my office. And if you were to come into my office, you would notice various pictures and pieces of art. You would see some pictures of my wife and kids. You'd see little drawings my children have made for me. You would see some religious art. You'd see a beautiful crucifix. Uh, You'd see an icon of Christ the teacher, a, a picture of Fra Angelico's Annunciation to Mary. But one of my favorite pictures that you'll see in my office is not of religious art. It's not even of my family. You know what it is? It's Michael Jordan's last shot. Michael Jordan, the famous NBA player, uh, his last shot as a Chicago Bull in the NBA Finals. Uh, My wife gave this to me as a birthday gift many, many years ago. I think it was like our first year of marriage. I, I thought, wow, I know I married well here. See, I grew up in Chicago and I was a Big Chicago Bulls fan. Michael Jordan, one of the best NBA players of all time. Uh, This shot captures the climax of some of the most amazing 45 seconds of basketball any individual ever played. Uh, So picture the scene. The the Bulls are down by three points, and they inbound the ball to Jordan. Jordan makes a quick layup. uh, And then the Utah Jazz, the opposing team, dribbles the ball down the court. Jordan steals the basketball, dribbles back down the court. And then at the top of the key, he pulls up and makes the shot with five seconds left and the Chicago Bulls win another championship. It was an awesome moment there. And I'm telling you about this story because I would often bring this photo of Michael Jordan's last shot into my class. When I used to teach undergraduate students back at Benedictine College in Kansas many years ago, and I was teaching about the virtues, I always brought this picture to class. Why? Because I would ask the students, Why did Michael Jordan make this shot? Why was he able to make this shot at this clutch moment? It's because he practiced it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. You see, Michael Jordan was known for being one of the hardest workers, even back in high school when he was practicing. He was a star player when he played in college at the University of North Carolina under Dean Smith, when he played on the Olympic team, and even when he went into the NBA and he was the best player in the league, he was still known for being the one to work out the hardest. He showed up at practice early. He did extra weights. He he stayed after practice later, constantly refining his skills. So why did Michael Jordan make that shot? It's because he practiced it over and over and over again. So when the clutch moment came, it was like second nature. He was just able to do it with great ease. Are you able to do that in your life? Are you able to, in the clutch moments, when your kids need you, when your spouse needs you, when your uh, co-worker needs you, your employer needs you, your church needs you, are you able to deliver 
Is it second nature? Is it second nature for you? Are you consistent in living out the virtues? You know, one of the key things you need is practice. If you want to grow in virtue, you need practice, and that's one thing. Catechism Article eighteen ten reminds us that the human virtues are acquired by deliberate acts and perseverance, repeated efforts. We need a lot of practice in the virtues. You see, the virtues aren't ordinary habits. We have other habits where we just give in to our weakness, like you may have the habit of sleeping in. <laughs> if you have that habit, do you have to really work at it? Do you have to say the night before, oh, I'm going to work really hard to sleep in? No, you just press snooze and you just give in to your weakness, right? Or you may have the habit of procrastinating. Again, you don't have to work really hard. I'm going to try hard to procrastinate this week. No, it's just what you do. You give in to your weakness. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about virtue, which isn't an ordinary habit. It's a habit disposition to do the good. To do the good, remember the virtuous life, these are like skills and they're acquired through much hard work and practice. Whether it's the skill of shooting a basketball or playing the violin or it's the skill of being thoughtful and caring to the people in your life, the skill of making sacrifices and putting other people's needs before your own, whether it's the skill of guarding your eyes, your thoughts, your imagination, what you look at so you can have purity of heart. These are great skills and they require much attention, much effort, much thought, much deliberation. Uh, think Think of the virtues as kind of like the moral muscles in your life. You know, if you've ever exercised and then you fell away from your exercise routine for a few weeks or a few months, what happens when you try to come back to it? It's not easy, is it? You may find yourself struggling. You know, at first it's painful, it's hard, it's difficult, you're sore. But after a while, and you, you, you keep up a routine for a couple weeks, the muscles start getting built up. It gets a little easier, and then you're consistent for a few more weeks, and eventually you find yourself back at the level you used to be at. You know, the same is true in the moral life. You know, when you first are going after a certain weakness and you're trying to acquire a virtue, it's it's not easy. You know, take the battle for purity, for example. You, you just, all of a sudden, your, your faith takes off and you realize, wow, I need to live chastity. I, I, need, I need greater purity in my life. So you start trying to live it out and, and, and it feels like a, a mountain you're climbing. It seems impossible. And, and many people just say, this is too hard. Why am I going to bother? I, I can't live chastity. Uh, and many people just give up. They don't know that if they just persevere and they continue practicing, and with God's grace, of course, it can get easier over time. It's always going to be a battle, but you know it reminds me of when I first started weightlifting for the first time in decades. You know, I I did a lot of weightlifting when I was in high school, and I never went back to the gym for a long, long time until you know a few several years ago. Some of my friends at the Augustine Institute and here in my neighborhood started going to the gym. And they invited me to come along, and I started working out. I remember being so nervous. I haven't done this in so long, and they give me the weights and they're, they're giving me 80 pounds. I'm thinking, oh no, I, I don't know if I can lift 80 pounds. Oh no, I was all nervous. And I, I did okay with 80. So they moved it up to 90. And I was like, okay, I tried 90. And then, but 100, my first time, I was like, oh, barely able to lift up 100 pounds. I'm such a whip. <laughs> and I just thought, I'm never gonna be able to do this weightlifting thing. I just want to give up. But if you persevere and you continue to practice and practice and practice, what happens? Eventually, 100 starts feeling easy, and then you can go up to 110. 
and you're pushing and stretching that. But after a while, you get to a certain level, then maybe you can go to 120 and you just keep going up and up and up. Uh, I worked out with a friend that was at 300. He could work out. So I was way behind him. But the point is, when you're first going after something, you're first using those muscles, it's hard. But if you persevere and you continue practicing, it gets easier. That's a note of encouragement to you. If there's some virtue you know that is hard for you and you're just wondering, I don't know if I could ever change, know that if you really intentionally go after it and you're consistent in your effort, eventually those moral muscles get stronger and that's going to help you overcome your weakness. Um, let's get practical on this point of practice. What, what does it look like to put the virtues into practice? Um, I think it's important to be proactive on this. It reminds me of uh, when I would take my kids to the pool. There's a pool uh, close to our neighborhood here that has one of those lazy rivers. It has a section of the pool area that's just a big kind of like circle river thing. And you go around and there's a current that's created. So you're just coasting with the current. You can just coast. Uh, you can hold on to a life jacket, to an inflatable raft, and just kind of let the current take you round and round and round the lazy river. And so one thing I would do with the kids, I would like go out there with them, and we're coasting all together, but then I would want to surprise them, and I would play daddy monster. <laughs> I'd let the kids go ahead, and I would pull back, and they didn't know that I pulled back, and then I would quickly swim in the opposite direction against the current to go around the corner and meet them halfway around the circle, and then surprise them. Uh, and it was always fun to do that, but I'll tell you, I didn't do it too often because it took a lot of effort. Oh, to swim against that current was really hard. Uh, twice, three times as hard as it is just to swim normally. Uh, so uh, I had to really work hard at that. And the same is true in our moral life. You see, if we're not proactive, we're not deliberately trying to grow in virtue, we're not going after the weaknesses in our life, you know what happens? It's like we're just floating down the lazy river. We're giving in to our weaknesses over and over again. And, and we're going to go backwards in our moral and spiritual lives. We must have a game plan. We must be intentional about going after our weaknesses. And the best way to do that is to not just say, I'm not going to do this bad thing anymore. The best way to do it is to proactively say, I'm going to go after this virtue that's going to counter the vices I have. So I think that's what I want to sum up with here in this first point of practice. Put into practice the virtue that opposes the vices, the weaknesses you want you want to battle against. Let's say you're the kind of person that struggles with complaining. You complain all the time. You're grumpy. You're critical of other people. You're critical of your, your management at your workplace. You're critical of your parish. You tend to be critical and you complain a lot. Rather than just say, I'm not going to complain anymore, go practice the opposite virtue. Practice complimenting other people. Tell yourself, I'm going to compliment three people today. And I'm going to compliment the people at the checkout line. I'm going to compliment my colleagues. Just, just come up with a plan. I'm going to compliment three people every day. Or I'm going to express gratitude. I'm going to practice thanking people and say, have a plan. I'm going to thank at least two people today. I'm going to thank my spouse. I'm going to thank uh, someone at my parish today. And, and by practicing these opposite virtues of kindness, of gratitude, that, that's going to help you be less critical. Same thing, let's say uh, you're, you're struggling with vanity. You always have to be the center of attention uh, rather than just say, okay, I'm not going to be vain anymore. No, 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 I'm not going to be vain. No, practice the opposite virtue that's going to counter vanity. Uh, what's the opposite virtue? Humility. Practice humility. So tell yourself, for example, you could say, I'm going to make a commitment today. Uh, I'm going to let other people speak before I speak. 
So when we're in a, a committee, I'm going to let other people have a chance to share before I jump in. Or I'm with, uh, I'm going out to lunch with my friends. I'm going to just be quiet on this day and then let other people jump in and let them talk a little bit before I jump in on the conversation. A small little act of kindness, of charity, of humility will help overcome your struggle with vanity. Let's be proactive. So that's the first point. Practice. Let's put those moral muscles into practice by practicing the virtues that counter the vices we're struggling with. I want to turn to a second point. Catechism 1810 lists a second way we grow in virtue, and that's education. we got to educate ourselves on the virtue. That doesn't mean getting a master's degree in theology, but just taking a little time to study the virtues, to learn about the virtues. You know, I've recently been working with some focused missionaries who uh, are getting ready to teach about the virtues to some of their peers, and I've been helping prepare them uh, for this, and it's been a lot of fun. And even just today, uh, they're, they're all telling me, I gave them some things to read about the virtues, and they're all telling me, wow, I'm learning so much about the virtues, and it's challenging me. It's inspiring me to want to be more virtuous in my marriage or with my friends. It's like an examination of conscience. I'm realizing the many ways I'm falling short of virtue, and that's what happens when we fill our minds with what is good and true. We fill our minds with the virtues. We understand them better. We're, we're going to have the, the 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 goal, the target for what we're aiming for, more clear in our vision for life. You know, if I don't have a target, if I don't have a goal, I'm never going to make it. Uh, and so, taking time to learn about the virtues. How do you do that? Just really simple. Again, you don't have to be a big scholar, but I'm going to recommend a, a couple things. One is there's an author I really like, uh, Donald DeMarco. He wrote a book published by Ignatius Press called The Heart of Virtue. The Heart of Virtue by Donald DeMarco. I'll put this in the show notes on my website. Um, but the, this book is wonderful because it tells stories about the virtues. It, it, it tells stories from great heroes, historical figures, from novels, from the saints. Uh, and it, it helps to fill your mind and your imagination with what virtue can look like. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. I think um, you could read articles. I, I have a number of articles on the virtues on my website. You can go to edwards3.com and check out some of the articles on various virtues there. Uh, if you want to go a little more in depth, I want to recommend an a, a amazing book. Uh, I've used this at, at our master's classes at the Augustine Institute. I know some undergraduate uh, ethics classes use this text as well. It's by Stephen Jensen, who teaches in Houston. His book is called Living the Good Life. Living the Good Life by Stephen Jensen. That would be a a great resource for you. But here's one resource that everyone has access to, and that's the saints. Read the lives of the saints. You know, if you fill your mind and your imagination with the lives of the saints, then you're just going to find yourself inspired to want to live more like them. You know, we, we we spend so much time watching pointless YouTube videos or uh, clicking and clicking on new new Netflix shows as we're binge watching our, our favorite series and uh, what would happen if we actually took time each day to fill our li- mind with the lives of the saints? Then we're going to have that in our memory bank so that when we face certain situations, we'll have opportunities to, to grow in virtue. We're going to remember that's what Therese did, or that's what John of the Cross did, or, or that's what St. Ignatius of Loyola did in this situation, and you'll be inspired to live it. But if all you do is have old reruns of Jerry Seinfeld in your head or shows from The Office in your head, that, that's not a great role model, you know, uh, an inspiration to fill your memory bank with. Again, nothing wrong with watching some some shows on the side, but think about how much time we spend on pointless shows. 
Let's fill our minds with the true, the good, the beautiful. Let's fill our minds with the saints. Okay, we're talking about three practical ways to put virtue into practice, to grow in virtue. Three things to do. First, practice, 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 practice those moral muscles. Practice the virtues that oppose the vices you're struggling with. Secondly, educate your mind. Fill your mind with the the virtues. Learn about the virtues. Learn about the lives of the saints so you have something to strive for, something to imitate in your memory. Lastly, the Catechism tells us in Article 1810 that we need grace. We can't do this on our own. We could practice as hard as we can. We could memorize what Aristotle and Aquinas say on the virtues and still fall short of the mark because we're fallen. We need God's grace to help us. We can't do this all on our own. We need Christ's life to come into our souls, to change us, to transform our weak hearts into his very life to help us to love like he loves, to live like he lives, to have his virtues rubbed off on us, if you will. How do we grow in virtue through grace? Well, we need to ask God for grace. Do you take time to do that each day? Every day you should take time. Jesus, give me the grace to be more courageous. Jesus, give me the grace to guard my thoughts and my looks and my imagination. Jesus, give me the grace to not fall into discouragement today. Give me the grace to be attentive to those that are suffering around me. Ask for the grace. Uh, and then make sure you got a prayer life. If you're committed to uh, a daily prayer life, that's another way that you can grow in grace. And most of all, frequent the sacraments by going to the Adoration Chapel, receiving Jesus in the Eucharist frequently, going to confession regularly, at least once a month. And if you can, maybe every other week or so. Uh, but, but going to confession regularly, these are encounters with God's grace where his life ent- uh, deepens, his, his life uh, changes us as we abide evermore in him through grace. So uh, think about how, how we can do that, because the more we grow in grace, the more Christ's life takes over in our lives, and he helps us to do what we can't do on our own, and that is to live fully like him. So what are the three ways to grow in virtue? We need to practice Put those moral muscles into practice by practicing the virtues that oppose the vices we're struggling with. Secondly, fill our mind with the virtues and, and, and stories of the virtues. It's the lives of the saints is a great way to do that. And finally, seek God's grace. Ask for it. Pray about it. Uh, take time to frequent the sacraments. These are three ways we can grow in virtue. And it's all found right there in Catechism 1810. So if this is helpful for you, my friends, I ask, please share this podcast with others. You may know family members or friends, colleagues, people at your parish that would benefit from these reflections. So please pass on this podcast to your friends. Uh, And if you have any questions, I'm doing that Q&A episode coming up here. Uh, So please, this is your last chance to send your questions questions in. You can send them to me on my website, edwardsreed.com. Anything about virtue, anything about apologetics, anything about the spiritual life, about the Bible, really anything about the Catholic faith. You can send your questions to me, edwardsreed.com, or you can reach out to me and send your question on Facebook or Twitter. May God bless you.